have something on your mind? Something that has you in circles and you can't just figure it out? So I kind of like go over things over and over and over again, drive some people crazy, but the, but somehow through all of that, you can kind of work yourself through your circle. 100 miles of running provides the time. And it might help you find the answer, too. Welcome to the podcast that explores the minds of those who explore. This is Mountain Meister. Who are the Mountain Meisters? Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice with your host, Ben Shank. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Mountain Meister. My name is Ben Shank. I am the host of this wonderful podcast. We welcome Anne Trayson today, and welcome to Mountain Meister. Thank you very much. For the listeners who don't know Anne, she is a legendary ultra runner who was one of the best in the world in the 80s and 90s. She's broken 20 world records, and if I'm not mistaken, she is the holder of some of those to this day. Anne, do I have that correct? Um, you'd probably know more than I would. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's pretty impressive, though, for records to still be held today. What's It's been 30 years for some of those, right? Um, possibly. You know, I don't look at those things, so I never look at time. I can tell you my times. You're very different from other athletes, say in football or basketball, or maybe even ultra running, who track their times and stats and records very closely. Um, well, the distance... You know what? That's probably why I got into ultra running is I just didn't want anything that was specific to time, just finishing. Hmm. I wanted something that that if I finished, I felt good about or, you know, so time didn't have to be so much part of it. The experience, the journey, then the absolute fact of uh, having standards. It became very personal. You're more proud of finishing than your time? Um. Yeah. And the last hundred I did was my slowest. I did one last year just to see if I could still do it. And that was probably the most proud I've ever been. I had to really dig deep and um, I really um, took a lot to finish. It was, I was second to last. Hmm. So um, at one, I was, finish lines don't feel any different. That's one thing I found that I thought, oh, I'm going to be embarrassed, da, da, da. But I'm more proud of that than any of my other finishes. Took more out. Took a lot. Hmm. That's interesting. So you are more concerned with your experience during the race rather than your performance at the end? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of um, life is, well, I've done both. I mean, life can be an ultra. That's one of the things I like about doing some. It's almost like a, a, a your life in a day for some of these hundreds hmm. or 30 hours or whatever your um but yeah, I'm very goal-oriented, so having a goal and just the journey, I guess the adventure and the journey of it is how I like to look about life. Mm, very cool. Life is an ultra. 
what I've noticed during my short life, which is getting longer and longer as each day goes on, um, how people raised can have a huge impact on who they eventually become. I want you to talk about your childhood because honestly, first of all, when I started this podcast, I didn't even know that a 100 mile race even existed, uh, let alone that there are people who do them in 18 hours in your case. Can you talk a little bit about your childhood? Were you were you always a runner? And then maybe what did your parents do or what was your lifestyle like? You know, I started running because I had so much energy that my my um, father took me to a track practice because they didn't know what else to do with me. I, they put bells on my shoes when I first started walking because I'd always run off. So I guess you could say that. I still have the shoes. My first pair of shoes had bells on them. That was probably so annoying, though. You know, I, maybe I'm just oblivious, but uh, they like to know where I was at all times, uh, um, or at least know when I'm taking off. So I had a really happy childhood. My mother was a very accomplished scientist in her, um, was a teacher, uh, loved the outdoors, loved the beach, loved dogs. Um, she wasn't a runner, but liked to be out. I think being outside and um, embracing life was something that I got from my childhood. Mm-hmm. When did you decide that you wanted to be a pro runner? No pro runner. I um, it's I just wanted to do something where I was challenging myself. I had never even heard you talk about never hearing. I had never heard of running fifty miles the first mm-hmm. time I signed up for one. I thought it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe that I was very much someone who idolized people. In the day, and I idolized Sally Edwards, and I saw in like some little rag magazine that there was, I had done a half Ironman, and she was, I had read her books because of that, and I saw she had a record for a 50 mile in Sacramento, and I was like, that's impossible, so, but I just signed up for it, I, I can't tell you why, it was just, I just saw it, and I sent in my application like immediately. Were you prepared for that physically? Oh, no. I was really, really stupid, and I had no – well, there was no information. Now it's over an overwhelming amount of information. Mm-hmm. But because she had all these Fleet Feet stores, I went into the closest Fleet Feet store where um, she was the owner and asked them, you know, how do you train for this? And they hadn't even heard of it. You know, it's, this was a little franchise. So they're like, yeah, Sally does that, but we know nothing. I mean, there was no books. There were no, so I just started running a lot. And I showed up, and I didn't even have a water bottle because I saw it had eight stations every five miles. Well, it was, you know, uh, I should have done the math because, you know, she had the record of like seven and a half hours or 7.15 or something. But I just thought it was 110 degrees. It was the hottest day ever <laughs> for this race. And I'm just running. This guy's like running next to me. He's like, you need a water bottle. And I'm like, why? And he's like, you will die out here not finish. So he had his wife give me a water bottle. I would not have finished if he hadn't handed me his water bottle. Um, so, yeah, I had, the learning curve's huge. And all, I mean, it was just astronomical. I think it's so cool. Uh, I mean, I'm really not familiar with this age of not being able to find everything on the I, internet. Um, I'm a dinosaur, honestly. No, that is, not, that is not meant to make you feel... No, no, no internet, can you believe it? You know, no cell phones, nothing. You couldn't find... I think I finally found a book, one book on ultra running, and it really didn't have that much information in it. So, um, yeah, on one hand, I, I really like the age that we live in today, where 
Like we are so lucky to have all of this information at our disposal. It advances our learning. You can pursue almost whatever you'd like, whereas there were so many more barriers uh, what, in 20 years ago. But but at the same time, I kind of like that because then it weeds out all the people who really aren't passionate enough. Yeah, I guess that's what I learned through it. I really had a passion for moving and adventure and seeing a lot of places that I never would see. Um, and it just promoted me to explore more of the areas that I kind of thought I would know want to go to like the Sierras mm-hmm. uh, so that was kind of what got me you know kind of um in it, it kept me in doing it more than record setting or any of that kind of thing it was just the continual not knowing or or exploring how about exploring areas that I had passion for which is the outdoors and trails and mountains and on this podcast, and we explore the minds of those who explore. So you're the explorer here, and we need to explore your mind. You talked about, and you explained very well why you're passionate about this, but now I want to know why you're so good at it. <laughs> you have won the Western States 114 times, and that is among many other victories and uh, records. Why are you better than all of the other racers? Yeah, I think I have a passion for it, and um, that just propels me. I don't think I was any better than most of the people I was running against. Are you kidding? (laughs) No. I am definitely not kidding. You beat them, right? No, it's true. It's, I, um, well, part of it's luck, I mean, and then part of it's having a passion, and I always stayed in the moment. I didn't panic. Um. I'm a pretty good problem solver, I think. When when I'm stressed, some people panic, and I become somehow very calm. Hmm. Most people who know me, I'm pretty can be pretty hyper, but when I'm in that moment, I'm incredibly calm and incredibly focused. And in the moment, it's kind of my Zen moment of sorts. It just um, that kind of stoked this passion that I had. And exploring my mind, I never knew when I stood, went to start of Western States, for example, that you bring up. I loved it because every day, every race was a different day. And it was like a different life. And you just didn't know what was going to be thrown at you. So there's just this anticipation of what's going to happen and how am I going to react? And it was more, I was just so thinking about myself that I never really thought much about the people around me. Um... You, you can't. If you started, at least for me, if I started focusing on you know, who was ahead or who was behind, then I'd lose focus of myself. And it's pretty hard. I mean, it was hard. Those are not, it was not something that I had stomach problems. I had all sorts of issues, and I think that's what drove me to it. It wasn't simple. If it was simple, I wouldn't have done it. I like complex activities. Um, like what I, else? Um, I love remodeling houses. I love wiring. I love gardening, making big gardens. I had probably had 26 raised beds, uh, growing different vegetables, seeing what will grow in different climates. Very Um, interesting. So would you say that being calm in the moment not only has helped your running, but it can help those other complex projects? I know it sounds a little ridiculous staying calm in the moment during your gardening, but we all have moments where we need to stay relaxed. Does that help you? You know, I can get very focused. And I think that's one of the things. You know, once I have a project, 
I think more in running because I when I'm active, I think I'm calmer. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of the things. The drawing with other uh, activities in my life, just having a focus, and you have to have dedication. So having a project, reading about it, trying to figure out how to do it, that's just gets my brain working. Everyone's different. I mean, some people would be boring. Yeah, exactly. And you would probably be awful at a 100 yard dash. Yeah. <laughs> it would be boring. Right. Um, focus and passion and figuring out what you enjoy doing is important. Meister fans, quick break from Anne's interview to tell you about an innovative product and to offer you an exclusive deal on that product. Today, we bring in Sandra Sawyer from Bondi Band. Sandra, welcome to Mountain Meister. Good morning. How are you, Ben? So good. Thanks for coming on the show today, Sandy. For the Meister fans, Bondi Band makes athletic headwear and accessories, including compression socks, fun saying headbands, and so much more. Sandy, many of our listeners probably use headbands or compression socks when they bike, ski, run. Tell our listeners why you guys are different. Well, first of all, our compression socks, as you said, are very fun. They have great pattern and they work well. Secondly, our headbands are made of a very unique fabric. It is our proprietary Bondi Max fabric, which is unique in nature because it offers your customer heavy sweat wicking properties. It also offers your customer no slip, no drip um, when they're using it to work out or just enjoying it daily. It also offers the same amazing performance over time because we have the sweat wicking properties right in the fabric. And if they care for it correctly, it will have lifelong performance. It's great because all of our headbands are unisex in nature because we offer several different designs to fit men, women, and children. And they're actually easily customized for your business or your running group. The customization I absolutely love. We need to get some Mountain Meister headbands. What do you think? Absolutely. Slap Mountain Meister on the front. You'd feel like a Mountain Meister when you use them. Speaking of which, I mentioned biking, running, even skiing, any activity, I guess, where you need sweat wicking and also no slip. Any other places where people wear Bondi Band? Well, you know, that is what's great about Bondi Band products is you've got, you know, a whole different um, subset of people that just really, truly enjoy wearing our headbands daily, um, you know, to dress up their outfits um, and also to just add some fashion and flair by our fun saying bands. That's what I was going to say. If you looked in my sock drawer, Sandy, I love fun socks, but you will not find a pair of white leopard print compression socks, nor purple or pink print leopard socks I should add and you have those well you need a pair (laughs) I do need a pair I need a pair of leopard print compression socks and then you also have argyle so people can literally wear compression socks to work now Sandy you were telling us that Bondi Band is offering an exclusive deal to the Meister fans tell us what you got Well, absolutely. We thought it would be fun that you could go and try our products and also have fun browsing our fun sayings and solid colors. So we have set up a unique code for Mountain Meister, and um, it is buy three, get one free. Nice. And the code to use is Bondi Meister. 
Bondimeister, B-O-N-D-I-M-E-I-S-T-E-R for the listeners. If you forget that for some reason, you can find the highlight of this on our Meister Deals page on our website, mtnmeister.com. Also, go to Bondi Band to check out all of what they have to offer, including the white leopard print compression socks, the headbands, the calf sleeves. You guys have everything. Sandy Sawyer, thank you for joining us today on Mountain Meister. It was a pleasure meeting with you. Have a great day, Mountain Meister fans. All right, everyone. Back to Anne. So since you kind of wound down your running career, a lot of people have entered the sport. It's much more popular today, obviously, than when you were competing. Looking back, do you wish that you had more competition? I had a lot of competition. You know, again, it was more I was never competing against anyone but myself. Okay. I mean, a lot of people think you have to be. But I just competed. I just wanted to know what I could do. And um, I always kept adding on to my goals, even in an event. It was, I just, that's how I pushed myself. You know, you might be achieving your high tier gear. And I'm like, oh, that's, ex- that is attainable now. So let me change my goals midstream um, and see what it takes to try and get that goal. Um, and you would be a wonderful, of. I'm sure a very talented golfer. <laughs> Do you golf? No, I hate golf. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible at it. My father's like a really good golfer and I am horrible. <laughs> Just what you said right there, though, you play against yourself. That is extraordinarily important in a game like golf. Uh, I well, think you, you, you like to have like a hand-eye coordination, and I'm one of those people the golf clothes, you know. <laughs> uh, I bet you you can learn the hand-eye coordination. The hard thing to learn is the, the mental side of the game. That's what that's the downfall for professional golfers is the, the mental game. Yeah, and being probably a little bit more every second. I think there's a little bit more flexibility when you're running. That, that's a good point. Over 24 hours, yeah, you, there's probably a little bit more flexibility than 18 holes of golf. I don't know. I think you need to give it another <laughs> opportunity at some point. <laughs> My father will really enjoy that one. <laughs> Let's move on. So do you know this guy named Bernd Heinrich, Ann? Uh You know, I've never met him. I've read his books. He's one of the people that um, were in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, right when I started getting in, I really admire him a lot. Yeah. Um, his writing, just his outlook on life. And uh, I enjoy his books. Well, you need to listen to his Mountain Meister episode. That's number 75. In it, he, he uses this analogy, which I really like. He's talking about how his running helps out his academic career. And he talks about how when he runs, it's like this big bucket of marbles. And when you shake up this bucket of marbles, the colored ones there are these random colored ones dispersed throughout when you shake up this bucket it's like the colored ones all rise to the top and he's talking about how running really clears his thoughts i'm curious if you have a similar experience as running are you able to really like clear your thoughts and what do you think of when you run oh it well really depends yeah it's um that's definitely if I have a complex problem or I'm trying to do some writing or something. Yeah, it's um, my brain kind of works in circles, so it's kind of cool to go out and running because you're kind of in that kind of rhythm. So I kind of like go over things over and over and over again. Drive some people crazy, but the but somehow through all of that, you can kind of work yourself through your circle, yeah. um, or the problem that you have. So 
And there's something just, I don't know what it is, it's very calming to me to be out on the trails. You're away from, a lot of times they run alone. Um, I mean, I love people, I'm very social, but there's also aspects where I need a lot of downtime or space. And so going out and even in the East Bay and the Bay Area, there are places where you have a lot of uh, places people just don't go hmm. on trails. So that's that's just refreshing. I don't I couldn't tell you exactly why, but it does. It does clear my mind, or at least it allows me to think of things from different angles while I'm still going around in this circle. I've noticed that for myself this past maybe year, I, I've said before that I think a lot of people run for different reasons and that's why I really like the sport of running or the activity of running. You know, I used to run for exercise and I would run to give myself an opportunity to listen to podcasts or audiobooks. I really like just like killing two birds with one stone. And now I run to similar to what you just said there is clear my thoughts, give me time to think through things. Has the reason that you run transformed over these past 30 years no i think there's still just this passion um and exploring and the adventure uh aspect uh is i never you know i'm uh, part of things i am very like it's like to set goals so in the day there were goals for races but the underlying thing was just going out and doing adventure runs in the sierras in the summer and being in shape to do that mm-hmm. Or wherever, you know, whatever part of the world, the Rockies or any place. But I spend a lot of time being in California in the Sierra Mountains. You have a very calming voice, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever gotten that before? No. Really? <laughs> yeah. Most of my friends think I'm pretty hyper. Hey, did you just go for a run before this? I kind of think this is funny. I do a social thing, which is spin. Oh, yeah indoors <laughs> but i have this group of friends so i just got back from uh spin class i love spinning yeah. i just love the group i'm with it's, uh-huh. it's a kick i push myself hard in spin class oh yeah we have some pretty pretty hard instructors they're pretty that's why i ended up going to this gym because i knew one of them from running and she scared me in her. <laughs> but she's gonna be a really killer spin instructor that's what I love about spin instructors. You you know, you start off by you know, liking the person, you know you're gonna be put through a test, and then by the end of the class I just end up hating them. Um but but I normally just need a little bit of time to refresh and then I'm ready for another class. Yeah. It's, it's uh, it surprised me how much I enjoy doing it. Because mm-hmm. it's so the antithesis of everything I that I thought I would like. But it's kinda cool when you find I just started doing maybe well, I started doing because I was getting in at the end of my so-called running career. Like um, I started doing some spin classes, and it's it's stayed with me since then. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess I should ask you this: What do you do besides run? So you're a coach now. When you were during the '80s and '90s, when you're crushing this sport, were you doing this full time, or did you have another job? Yeah, for a long time I worked um, in labs doing uh, bio. Uh, biochemistry and molecular biology and then I worked at a community college for a while mm-hmm. really fortunate I got sponsored by Nike and it was uh, they um, got a little stipend and um, I was able to to survive on it and there was a great opportunity um, for me so that I could 
go to different parts of the world. And, and running is not an expensive sport. So, and when it's taking you 17 hours a day to do your job, then, <laughs> <laughs> then except for the food, people say that running's a, a cheap sport, but then I realize that I spend like $50 more a week because I'm eating so much. Oh yeah, we. Um, I was talking to someone like before um, Western states. We'd all just get so this other friend, girlfriend of mine, uh, Emma Davies, who was behind. I mean, we'd get like so obsessed about losing weight that I think we ate less. Oh no! Yeah, we were. It was pretty, pretty goofy. That almost sounds unhealthy. Yeah, I don't know, we probably were a little unhealthy, but but yeah, the, the, I also in the Bay Area. There's all these great produce places and markets and it's wonderful where i live speaking of unhealthy and i've brought this up with other runners before running 100 miles is not good for you right i think the jury's still out on that i'm not convinced i don't think we're going hard enough i mean i don't know say that again you don't think we're going hard enough yeah i don't think for a lot of people it's not like you're running all out and a lot of it's forgiving at least the trails um I don't know. It's. Uh, I think the jury will be out on that. I have no clue. Okay. Well, to be determined. I'm not going to... If there's something you really, you know, that you're not hurting someone else and you really enjoy, you know, it's... You just have to follow where that takes you, I think. At least that's my philosophy. That's, so. yeah, that's fair enough. If you're not hurting anybody else, good point. I do want to talk about your coaching. And for the listeners, I should say this is not meant to be promotional for Anne at all. And Anne, if there's one person who would not want to be on this show for uh, promotional purposes, I think it'd be you. <laughs> but I am. I'm very curious because I think run coaching is becoming more and more popular these days. So what what do you do as a coach? And I know you, you teach high school kids now. You were telling me before the interview you'd like to teach middle school kids. What exactly do you do as a run coach? Well, the online, I do mostly, um, well, I, I am uh, at a high school now for cross country, and I was middle school. Probably go back to middle school. I love the age. I think that's because I'm basically 12. <laughs> so, I I've been told I shouldn't tell people that, but I think I have my mental, I can relate to that age group very well. Huh. So I haven't grown up. But um, on the more grown-up side, dealing with that... I really, um, you know, anyone can put a schedule. I do put a schedule, but I like to look at it as, um, you know, goal setting and working with people on a very personalized level on achieving their goals. You know, putting out a schedule, but also collaboration and working back and forth with someone. Just doing, and most of these people are doing ultramarathons. You know, that's, it's not easy, and there's a lot of complex parts to it. So working through there, and everyone has different strengths and weaknesses and figuring out what those are on an individual basis. And uh, it's a growing process. Hmm. It's a lot of fun. There are a lot of great people out there. So um, that's uh, kind of my, probably a little bit different in that I really believe in the collaborating part. Hmm. So so it's very individualized. Yeah, everyone has different goals. And uh, so your goal was to finish the race. How do you help people who where their goal is to get a certain time. I put my ha- my mind to their minds, you know, or try to. Oh. And, yeah, I have quite a few people I'm working with that do have very set times. And, um, 
you know, you set the training, but you also have to figure out, um, you know, the mental part. I think a lot of the stuff that we're doing is so mental. Then, um, you know, and getting people just to believe in themselves is a lot of it. I want you to give me a diagnosis here. Uh, I have noticed, and actually I think it has, it has disappeared since I really started training for this marathon, which I'm about to run. And actually your interview is going to be released after I run my marathon. So hopefully I'm still alive. This could actually become a valuable piece in the archives if I'm not. Um, anyway, I find that when I start to approach the finish line, I get this gag reflex and I have about five seconds where I can decide to slow down and not throw up or keep running at the pace that I'm running and I will inevitably throw up. But it always seems to come right near the finish line or at least when I'm conscious of where the finish line is. Do you think that I am subconsciously picking up my speed, or do you think there's a mental component there? Oh, that's too hard to tell. I'd be like, strap on a heart rate monitor and see yeah. if your perceived effort is. Um, but is that true for if you're running a marathon or running a 10K? I, I'd say more 10, 5K, 10K. Yeah, you might be... Um, you know, that's a hard, but hopefully it won't happen in the marathon. <laughs> I hope not. But anyway, I I always had a really weak stomach, so okay. you're asking the wrong person. Okay, well. I, 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 there, if you have a strong stomach in ultras, that's an iron stomach. That's a huge um, uh, gift. And, but I would always get pretty much get sick a lot. So I, when I do throw up, though, I just get it out, and then I feel great after that. Oh, you do? Yeah. It's it's disgusting to talk about, but yeah, that's what one of the things I tell people: don't be fearful. I mean, a lot of times we feel better, and uh, yeah, but it's that is one of the aspects that hidden truths for me anyway was that I had very very weak stomach. Yeah. Uh, on the topic of vomit, uh, no, oh, <laughs> we like to get a gear recommendation from our guests. Anne, can you? give our listeners something either fun or unique it's just something that they have to have well for night running i'm really big because you know being a dinosaur like i told you about the flashlights were horrible in the day so i'm i love the new like the phoenix flashlight handhelds uh-huh. are um incredible you can see so much more on the trail at night not that most people are going to be doing that you won't have that problem at new york but um then but I just love my little Phoenix. Phoenix flashlight on Anne's Meister profile page for our listeners. Check that out. MTNMeister.com, Anne's Meister profile page. To wrap things up, and this is going to be a question that I'm not sure if you're going to be ready to answer, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. You've been so calm throughout this entire interview, and it's obvious that you're either uncomfortable or you don't like talking about your accomplishments because you are a legend in the ultra running community, yet you don't like to talk about what has made you a legend. And I have been searching for an answer to a question for a very long time, and I'm curious what your perspective is on this. So we always hear about how stepping outside of our comfort zone is very good for us, right? And You've seen that in the physical sense. Like I think 
we we could all say that running 100 miles in 18 hours is somewhere way beyond the comfort zone and you've seen a reward from that but you are either uncomfortable or don't like talking about your accomplishments do you think that you should be stepping outside of your comfort zone in this fashion or is this a case where okay you just don't want to talk about it it's just something you don't want to do you're not going to benefit from it at all no i it's one of the ways i can get passion out there for other people to explore what they don't think is possible um and uh basically a friend of mine told me i should do this now <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't going to um but no I, I it's just a great way to uh if you always stay in your comfort zone you don't know what's out there and i agree with that um I rode my bike across the country when I turned 50. I told you I was a dinosaur um, because I'm not a very good cyclist, and I went with a hardcore group just to get outside my comfort zone. So, um, yeah, maybe you're right there. Maybe I'm trying to get out of my comfort zone on a more different mental um, angle. And, I mean, in here, I it's a, the reward for me was I heard that you had an interview with Burnt, and I haven't heard – him ever his voice ever so i'm that was my reward you know wow yeah yeah you don't know or out there when you do something um (laughs) that's why i'm like yay i'm glad i did this because i learned something so i think also anytime i love talking to people and it's i guess in that part this was cool because i learned you learn something um so life is a continuing learning process at least for me and so i'm thrilled i did this because i got to uh and I listened to your other with Darcy. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good um, podcast. So, yeah, thank you. Love it. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, too, Anne. And as always, learned a lot. For the listeners, check out Anne's Meister profile page on our website for highlights of today's episode. You can also find out more about Anne and her coaching. We'll have the links posted to there as well. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, you're more than welcome. Thank you. Hey, Meister fans. Thanks for tuning in to that episode with the legend, Ann Trayson. Hope you enjoyed it. Just wanted to remind you guys a few things about some awesome deals that we have for you. First of all, that deal you heard from Bondi Band. Buy three, get one free on their headbands using the code BONDIMEISTER at checkout. We also have some great deals from mojagear.com, 15% off of everything in the store using the code MEISTER. Also, 19% off of all 510 products. If you're in the market for some climbing shoes, take advantage of this. 19% off of 510 using the code Meister510 at checkout. All of these are on our website. Enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do when you listen to this podcast. I am Ben Shank, and you've been listening to Mountain Meister. Mountain Meister.